Hey everybody, I'm Craig Conover. Just got out of a massive pillow fight with yours truly, and I'm today's man of the hour. In a world where a man's masculinity is constantly challenged, I want to bring someone to the show today to dive into this and break down some stereotypes we all know exist. Today's man of the hour is entrepreneur and reality TV star Craig Conover. Sure, his career exploded with the Bravo hit show Southern Charm, but trust me when I say this man of the hour has so much more to him that meets the charming eye. Craig has been on the journey in becoming the male Martha Stewart with his very own sewing company, and I believe this guy has something super special when it comes to helping our world go in a more inclusive and judgment-free direction. I'm so excited to have you on the show first and foremost, but you got to tell us 2020 has been a hell of a year for everybody uh, in and of itself, but what, what's kind of kept you going, kept you grounded, stable, and, and ultimately doing what you're doing? You know, having the company has become my vice. Um, I was able to replace a lot of unhealthy vices um, in my past with this company. And it's kind of, you know, it's where I get my balance and my calm from. And I was very fortunate that early on in, you know, back in like April, I think I had this, <clears throat> oh, sorry. I had this, um, this foresight that mask might become a thing of the future. Um, mm -hmm. And I just, I was like, we should start making masks. And what that did for the company was, one, it allowed us to, we were, you know, we were considered essential because we were making, you know, what we thought was going to be PPE uh, materials, but I don't know, we were able to keep people employed and, um, you know, we were fortunate that, you know, with everyone stuck at home, people yeah. started to spend money to spruce up where their, their staycation essentially. And so pillows became a part of that too. Oh and man. I did do our part of, you know, of making that possible. Um, but, you know, we just, we, we were fortunate that we didn't take really a hit just because, you know, unlike my buddy Austin, who is in the draft beer business that doesn't mm. exist anymore because bars are closed, people are still buying pillows. So I had a healthy quarantine. Mm. Um, but having that rock of going down south is why. I mean, when the show went away, you know, they came and told us that we weren't filming anymore. I, I was, I mean, that's a big part of, you know, my financial portfolio. And fortunately, having Sewing Down South kept me sane or kept me sane. Yeah, that's the hustling entrepreneur in you. You mentioned that there were several negative vices in your life that it totally replaced and did good for you. What were those in terms of like, you know, what was some struggles in your life that Sewing Down South really helped? So I, um, you know, throughout college and law school took a ton of Adderall. And at mm. that point, it was fine. You know, it was, it really helped me to excel um, in school. But as my, uh, as one of my co-stars has always said to me, Craig, if you don't have anything to study for, you shouldn't be taking it, at least me personally. Um, and I, after I took the bar exam, you know, I was going through a breakup and I really, um, I felt like I was less sad when I was taking Adderall and it became something that I would take. Um, you know, I was prescribed to it, but mm -hmm. you know, I wasn't sad when I was taking it. Um, and that just, it didn't lead to a healthy lifestyle. Um, and so fortunately I moved to the Bahamas actually, and I started to, uh, to spearfish and do these activities that you can't do if you can't slow your heart rate down. And I was like, mm -hmm. you know what, 
I don't want to take Adderall anymore. Um, and I had a sewing machine down there and, uh, I don't know. I just, I started to sew and, you know, when I came back to the States, you know, we had started mm -hmm. filming again and, you know, you need something to kind of quiet the noise, but I was, I wasn't, you know, what that used to be Adderall for me. Um, and fortunately this business was born though. And mm. that is now my, you know, my high is, uh, nice. yeah. And then it always has been, I just, I lost direction. You know, I didn't know what to do. I had, I had an inbox on Instagram with hundreds of messages of people being like, we want one of your pillows. We will do anything for your pillows. We will pay anything. Yeah. And I didn't know how to fulfill that. You know, I was, I was in the room that I'm in right now, hand sewing, or, you know, I had my machine, but I was, you know, making them by hand. And I was only making like one or two a day. And I was just mm -hmm. like, I have so much energy, but I don't know where to put it. And so when uh, the, the reason I was as successful as I am today is because of my partners. And when they came into my life, they were able to point me in the right direction and I could run full speed. So Placing something like Adderall with pillows, man, that sounds like uh, a healthy recovery, if anything, because that's, I mean, you were in college and law school and you hear it from a lot of people uh, who go through school nowadays just to get through exams and to, you know, to catch up on the sleep that you didn't get. Adderall was a big thing. People are like, yeah. you know, usually if you have ADD or ADHD, you are prescribed to it. But I remember people taking advantage of it for a little while. And yeah, so I mean, thanks for telling us about that too. I think when people think of Adderall, they're like, it'll help you concentrate. But if you're a little too concentrated all the time, right, then you, how can you slow down in the Bahamas? Wait, so well, then, for, yeah. Well, you over, to me it was, um, it brought out this negative side of this like perfectionism and OCD so that mm. I couldn't move forward while I was taking it because I was overthinking everything. Um, I was like, you know, none of my ideas were good enough and I just couldn't commit to anything. Um, and, you know, it, it's funny because I, I, I love Adderall. I think it's a great, you know, tool when used correctly. But I just, and I remember we were filming uh, a reunion one year and I had never talked about it publicly. And I finally just said it. I was like, look, this is why. And it made so many things then made sense, you know. Yeah. Um, but I'm happy that I'm able to, you know, have somewhat of a platform and talk about these things because I think a lot of, I think a lot of people can relate to, you know, my journey in ways. Mm. I think they can relate to a lot of people. I think a lot of us have a lot more in common than we realize. And today's day and age with technology and everything, we're learning that, but there's a lot of superficial stuff out there too. You know, there's a lot of this, these visions of perfection and mm. easiness. And yeah, I, I'm in a good place now, but you know, it didn't come without, you know, there was a lot of hidden stuff that people don't know about that, you know, that you have to overcome. So people definitely aren't alone in that journey. Yeah, I think we're better together no matter what. You get yourself in a community of people who've been through life similarly, if not in the same ways as you, you're in a good place to start, if anything. You mentioned superficiality uh, of, of a lot 
of ha a lot of what happens online, people are like, oh, that's superficial, that's fake. I will say I've heard a lot over the last couple of years that uh, you know, in the reality star world, people don't give it, give it enough credit and oftentimes they're giving it a lot of flack, Craig, in terms of just like the people who are on the shows. You look at The Bachelor, Bachelorette, they're not taken as seriously until we bring to light someone like you who not only uses your platform to bring attention to like Adderall, um, you know, abuse or just taking too much of it or what have you, problems that can come with certain uh, medicines, but then also using uh, your heavy lift as an entrepreneur even to to really highlight what it's like to have a show tell you that you're not going to be in production anymore. And like you said, that was a big financial portfolio for you. And now here you are thriving with Sewing Down South. Uh, but back it up with me for a sec about reality TV and how people kind of see it as a superficial or don't give it enough credit. Uh, what about Southern Charm after all these years has made you thankful you said yes to be on a show, especially in reality TV where people are often just looking for entertainment when they see you on there? I think, um, you know, we're, our seventh season is airing now. I think that's a testament to kind of the path we took. Um, you know, transparency is everything. And I will tell you how it went for me. First season, I didn't have a clue what was going on. And so... <laughs> I kind of was, you know, I was a good, I was, I was myself, but I was just the happy-go-lucky self. Like, I was like, oh, I'm going to bring all the positivity in my life to the camera screen um, yeah. or to the television screen. And, you know, it's first season, and so it comes out, and, you know, people want to like you. It works better if they like you. And so everything was happy-go-lucky. And so cameras show up the second year, yeah. and you are completely exposed because you let your guard down mm. and you realize and you take it for granted kind of. And, um, and you don't get, you know, all of a sudden this dark side of you that people didn't see the first year comes out. So then third season comes around, at least for me, and you go into it too controlling. You, you start to try to manage what's going on. You try to hide stuff. And what happens is, is in the process of hiding or trying to control what the viewers are gonna see, you lose any chance of them getting to see the real you because you're too guarded, you're too protected. And then fourth season comes around and you've been in it long enough, um, you know, financially it's gotten to a really good point and you just say, you know what, screw it. Because you're sick of reading about like, well, that's not what, act like you just, you want to be you. And you're like, you know what? It's, I would rather them see all of me and make a decision than based off the 20% I showed them. And mm -hmm. so that's when my life changed was, um, especially my television world well, and everything. I just became brutally honest. And mm -hmm. um, I think viewers finally got to really see a fuller picture of who I was. And through that brutal honesty and that brutal transparency, um, you know, I was shit. I mean, they got to see me go through a really, they saw me like fall in love and go through a breakup. And I mean, we kind of left it all out there and my life is, I don't know, it's positively progressed through being honest with people because, you know, my mom told me one day, like she, you know, I was in a dark place and I was like, I told her that I was in a dark place. And she goes, Craig, you know when I knew that everything was gonna be okay is when you told me that you were in a dark place. Mm -hmm. Because before I would try to hide everything and fix stuff. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know, I've just, uh, the, I, I attribute to where I'm at today is, is by letting people in. Um, 
And I know it's scary, but by, I mean, I guess my version of letting people in was just being myself um, on television and just being honest with the people around me. And, um, you know, I don't know. I I, I just wouldn't be where I am today if it wasn't for my support system. Um, And they can't support you if they don't know what's going on. And that's, that's kind of, you know, I guess that's my point is when I started to be honest Mm -hmm. around me is when, you know, things started to really improve. Yeah. And that starts with being honest with yourself first so that you can tell someone like your mom that you're, you're in a dark place and then she can help you observe that. I don't, I think people look inward enough. I I stress that all the time on this particular show that it it has to start with you. If you want to proactively, you know, do something with your life, with your career, whatever it might be, like it starts with you telling yourself that you're about to do it and not waiting till tomorrow doing it today or uh, even more. And it's like, you you should not have to wait for permission from others, for example, to realize that you might have something going on with you or you might want to change something about your life or yourself and you've done all that. Uh, you know, I, I'm not only stoked to hear more about Sewing Down South, Craig, but before we get to it, you know, you mentioned that you were in the Bahamas and you had a sewing machine. I can only imagine that's probably how it started, but as you as you went along to make pillows now masks and i'm sure you're sewing a bunch of other things too because why not right you have such a skill and a team behind you now uh but there's this heavy emphasis that uh i would only assume that usually men don't sew they don't cook they usually don't worry about things in design and interiors and such like that so with this bigger overarching umbrella of masculinity and what that looks like in today's world uh and when you launched sewing down south was you know, challenging the process of some kind against masculinity and what that looks like today was something that you had in mind when first launching it? Yeah, so I attribute every, so I'm, I'm huge on self-validation. So I was bullied terribly growing up. The way I survived it was I knew I was good enough. Now, I was very fortunate to have parents, a very supportive, very supportive parents that when I went home after school, that was a safe place. And I, I, it kills me thinking about the people that don't get to go home to that safe place. Sure. But, you know, I was able to self-validate and be like, you know what? I'm not going to base my opinion of myself on these, you know, jerks, you know, and one day I'll show them. And it, it's, it's crazy because the day I signed the contract for Southern Charm, and it took me five months because I was in the middle of law school and I didn't know what direction I was going to go in. And this is how long bullying lasts, though. But I mean, I, it makes it turns you into who you are. Is yeah. when I was signing my contract, I was like, I hope that they have television in the jail at home, so like all of those assholes will see me on TV one day. I mean, it stays with you, yeah. you know. Yeah. And, oh, um, yeah, it does. But that self validation of being like, I'm, I'm gonna, you know, you only live once, and that we know about. We don't know, but like, you get one shot at this thing, and if you do anything but what makes you happy, like that's the biggest win is when you are okay with doing what you want to do. And I think the worst Mm -hmm. type of people are people that make fun of other people for doing something that makes them happy, you know? And so, you know, I was asked recently, you know, were you surprised with the success of the the company and everything like that? Mm -hmm. And I was like, no, like I, they were like, who believed in you the most? And I was like, I did. Like, I knew it was going to be something. Even my partners probably weren't sure. Um, So anyway, with masculinity, masculinity, how do you say it? Masculinity. (laughs) You can say it however you want, man. (laughs) I'll restate it. Yeah, no, through, I think part of being masculine is is embracing who you are and in being 
okay with who everyone else is. Um, you know, if they don't have an, you know, if they're not negatively harming you, then I just don't think you should have an opinion on other people. And I think, I think I, I think some of my most attractive qualities, and it's interesting because my ex didn't see it this way. And I knew that we had fundamental differences where I think it's super attractive of someone to buy a sewing machine and start sewing. I think that confidence of being like, I don't care what everyone else thinks. Like I want to sew, like, I think that's how you win, you know? Yeah. Um, and I think just treating people, I think treating girls with respect is a big part of being masculine. I know that mm. the fraternity I was in in college, you know, when you're pledging a fraternity, you can be blackballed. And if you get a blackball in the voting rounds, you don't get into the fraternity. And I remember our biggest thing was, if, you, if someone that we know tells us that you creeped them out at a party or made them feel uncomfortable, like that was a no-brainer. We wanted nothing to do with you. We wanted to be the group of guys that girls were comfortable, like the most comfortable with. I think making people feel comfortable around you and protected is, um, I don't know, it's just what I kind of live by. And um, I think there's nothing wrong with being a gentleman. And I don't, I just think, I think the best type of people just, you know, you, you do things for the right reasons. You know, you, you, you have manners and stuff because you're considerate and you care about how other people feel, I guess. I, you know, I, yeah. yeah, I think my definition of being masculine and stuff isn't, can't really find it in a textbook. And I'm sure you guys talked about it on here, but it's more just, just being a good person and being considerate. I think, you know, I'm Austin, one of my co-stars makes fun of me a lot because I'm very hyper aware of my surroundings. Um, whether it's tipping or how you treat someone that comes up to you or fans or anything like yeah. he, knows, he almost acts differently when I'm around him because he knows that I'm watching, you know, I'm making sure everyone around us is okay. I don't know. It's just, I guess I ramble a lot, but uh, that's, I guess you can break it down with. You that. ramble as much as you want, man. You know what? The crazy thing is I'm not going to cut any of this. This is take to live, man. We're going to go straight all the way through. You even beat me to the run a show buzzer talking about being a gentleman. If gentlemanship was a word and a community, I would build something around that too, because I don't care if you're straight, you're gay, what background you come from. Being a gentleman matters just as being a lady matters. The words ladies and gentlemen, when you say, good evening, ladies and gentlemen, you would like to be saying that to a crowd of people who are actually ladies and gentlemen. So you brought it up. And I think it's a huge point that no, so long that you're treating people with respect, male or female, but especially females nowadays, you know, we've, we've heard a lot from certain movements happening with the see her uh, or, or just woman uh, equality, uh, gender equality rather in today's time is still, there's a heightened discrepancy because I think call me politically incorrect here, but for the most part, uh, men are still struggling to find ways to treat females as they're supposed to be treated, for example, or even their counterpart in general. 
Happy New Year from our official presenting sponsor, Manscaped. Manscaped is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming, offering precision-engineered tools for your family jewels, and is here to help you clean your balls for the new year. You know, I was recently asked what my word of the year was, and I said consistency. And the one thing I want to be sure to be consistent with is keeping up with my grooming needs thanks to Manscaped. So here's to the new year. But spoiler alert, hairy nuts are still gross. Step into the new year with the tree standing taller and your boys shaved down below. Manscaped is here to give you your new year's resolution that you'll actually want to keep. The Perfect Package 3.0 is the the below-the-waist grooming package that you'll need to start the year off strong. Why not come out of quarantine with clean balls thanks to the Lawnmower 3.0? This waterproof and skin-safe trimmer will reduce nicks to your boys downstairs. The third-generation trimmer even has a light to shine down below to the promised land 2021 looks to be. It's also time to freshen up down there in the new year with the Crop Preserver, which is an anti-chafing ball deodorant and moisturizer. You already put deodorant on your armpits, so why not put deodorant on the smelliest part of your body too? And for on-the-go freshness, you will love the Crop Reviver, which is a ball toner spray. Start the new year off with a fresh set of testes thanks to Manscaped. Manscaped even threw in their Shed Travel Bag, which will keep your goodies stored comfortably. Speaking of comfort, the Manscaped Anti-Chafing Boxer Briefs are also included in this package and will bring your underwear game to the next level. What do you say we bring sexy back in 2021? Get 20% off and free shipping with our code MOTH20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. Just use the code MOTH20. New year, new balls. Where have you found it most eye-opening that you, you've always treated ladies with respect? And uh, no matter the situation and who the woman might be, it's like, you know, where have you found it most eye-opening from their reaction to treating them, you know, with respect as a gentleman? Um, you know, I, I guess it goes hand in hand, but you know, I, I, because of my experience with bullying and I, I realized that it takes one person sticking up for you to change like your life basically. Yeah. Um, you know, I've always, you know, stuck up for people and, and protected kind of the underdog. And, you know, I think, I've gotten the most reaction out of doing that for people that weren't expecting it. Um, mm. I, I mean, I'm, I'm loud and hyper and stuff, but I can be soft spoken too, but yeah. out of nowhere, when I pop in and, you know, defend someone, it kind of draws a reaction. I mean, I just, to me, it's so simple and so easy that I just, I don't have a lot of res- I don't have any respect for people that just don't treat people with kindness and class. Sure. I mean, Dude, I just, I was in Walmart um, two days ago because the mask thing is really, look, I know I'm just on a, you know, silly reality show, but I used to do my shopping at night. It was just, it was therapeutic to me and the stores were empty, but with mask, I feel a little like, you know, hidden now and you can go out and you don't have, like, you're not talking to a lot of people. And so I was shopping in the middle of the day and, um, you know, this, this, there was, there was a line next to me and, and my line and there was a lady taking her stuff out on the conveyor belt and I was six feet back on the sticker <clears throat> and there was around a 65 year old woman to my right in the other line and there was a gentleman in front of her that I think something was wrong with his payment I'm not sure I, what happened was this lady then moved because I had six feet in front of me and there was two people behind me and two people behind her yeah. she moved her cart and um and pushed in between me and the lady in front of me and just stood there and didn't say a word 
And I was like, I couldn't not say anything. And I was like, like, ma'am, are you, are you serious? Like, are you not even gonna say anything? Cause all she had to say was like, do you mind if I hop over here? Like, there's no problem. And she just did it in such a rude way. Mm-hmm. This story might not even be relevant, but I was just like, it made me like shake. And I was like, and I was sitting there and like, I wanted to physically push her out of my way and be like, you know, no, like, but I didn't, obviously, you know, you just have all- Take your car and get the hell out of here. No. <laughs> yeah, and, I, and instead I was just like, ma'am, I said, ma'am, and it's funny that I was still saying ma'am, but to like get her attention <laughs> instead of like, you know, calling her a name, I was like, ma'am, you should be ashamed of yourself. Um, and the lady in front of her looked the same way. Cause I mean, she like pushed my car. It was just, it was very rude. And I said, ma'am, you should be ashamed of yourself. Mm-hmm. And then I said, I hope you have a horrible holidays. And I walked away, but within, within a second of saying that, I felt bad and I wanted to go back and be like, and explain it to her and be like, all you had to do is ask. Like, I don't really hope you that you have a horrible holidays. Right, um, right. And I didn't say it in a mean way. I said it kind of, under, but I was just like, I almost felt the need to protect other people from her. Um, yeah, yeah. And so the reason I was in the line was because I had 25 items probably. I didn't want to take up a self-checkout, you know, thing. But instead I walked down there and I was just like, I need to breathe. And in the parking lot, I was just like, I don't know. I guess I don't know the point of my story other than I didn't like her behavior was incorrect and it was just wrong. And it's not how you should act. Um, Yeah. You know, I, I just think, you know, being kind to each other goes such a far far away um and uh i think you know all you can do is worry about yourself and you know she did get a rise out of me but it wasn't you know too bad but yeah i don't know i I, you know i really like another thing is when people post acts of good online it's a catch-22 for me because you know i grew up it's funny because i i remember being so excited to one day pay for someone in front of me at a gas station that yeah, maybe yeah, car yeah. Miners. I mean, I thought about that stuff as a teenager. I just, I always wanted to make people happy. That's what I live for is to make people smile. Um, I would trade my smile for someone else's any day. And there's some downside to that, but it, it's not, it doesn't outweigh the, the upside. Um, but God, there's a point to that. I don't know what I'm saying. What was I saying? Sorry. The point I, <laughs> Sorry, I just have a lot to say. Oh, the catch-22 is, is, you know, these random acts of kindness are great. And I love that. And I love seeing it happen. Like if that lady would have, if I would have been closer to that guy, I would have helped whoever in the Walmart line. Mm. Um, So I like seeing that it's happening when people post about it. The catch-22 is, you know, are you doing it to post about it? for the wrong reasons and does that take away from why you did it or mm. is it okay to post this question i don't know if we'll ever have yeah. the answer to i don't know social so anyway world, that's i i'm probably off topic but. no give us as many examples as you want craig those two are perfect because i think it shows us exactly um why you've been able to do so much with your influence that's a big reason we invite you to the show for example because there's there's a great sense of responsibility that's probably weighing on your shoulders, but because you genuinely do care about making people happy and sticking up for what's right and serving in this big brother light is what I would call it. You should have been on big brother with CBS. Uh, <laughs> seven, seven seasons of Southern charm. That's plenty. Go to big brother. You- yeah. The, the, the under constant, um, 
constant recording would be a lot on someone's brain. <laughs> That's a, I wouldn't do it. I, you couldn't pay me to be on that show. I don't even know if they're paid. But uh, funny, yeah, yeah. I, I've said, you know, I when we did, we went on to Summer House um, one time, which was recorded like Big Brother, and I remember yeah. being like, you can't pay me any amount of money to do this. But we, then then there's always a price. So we'll see what happens in the future. <laughs> But let's yes, let's hope that sewing down south keeps doing well so that you don't have to go chase it down I mean, a big brother route but but to you know. do so it's i guess to, to sum up the masculinity thing though i think acting i think doing what you want to do mm-hmm. as long as it's not hurting anyone else i think that's a sign of being masculine and not conforming to gender roles and at some of our pillow parties that we had which has a book signing model um, yep. but people would come by our pillows and talk to us i remember the first one um you know, a little boy came in in his football jersey and his mom was like, he's been like, Christian's been sewing since he was little with his dad or his granddad. He just never talked about it because you're not, you don't talk about that. And it's just like, now he takes his projects to school and he wears stuff that he sews. And I was like, I don't know. That was a cool moment for me. That that alone, I think, shows you the influence you have on younger generations too and showing them that being a man doesn't just mean a couple different things around what I mentioned at the top of the show, which is like being the jock and, you know, being the breadwinner, all of that. I mean, that's what a man used to be, I guess, and in society, but now it's changing and it's based strictly on what you want your life to be out of, uh, which for you has led to uh, sewing down South. I want to ask you before we start closing the show here in just a minute, the, uh, the crazy hard small business life people had to go through in 2020. Um, how was Sewing Down South able to do so well? What kept you guys afloat? And then ultimately for struggling businesses now um, that are in this retail space, for example, what would you tell them? I think our positivity and the message that we have of which is do whatever you want to do um, and that it's okay and that it's never too late to start. I mean, I was 31, which isn't isn't that old at all but I mean I was 10 years out of school I had gone to law school I had become an attorney and I was starting this business at 31 and I think our success is something that is really fun to root for and is very healthy to root for and it gives people you know our message is like you're not stupid for working on your side hustle in your garage or thinking that it can turn into something I mean I remember seeing a, a little image of you know, whoever started five hour energy was like 45, whoever started Uber was like 42. I remember because mm-hmm. I always beat myself up about not doing things sooner and really learning that tomorrow is the next day of the rest of your life. I mean, that has kind of driven me over the yeah. past few years. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, small business, it's, it's, you just, you know, we're very fortunate that it worked out, but it was not listening to anyone else. It was listening to yourself. I mean, what I, Sewing Down South only exists because I believed in it. There was not one person in my life that thought it was a good idea. My parents separated because they'll support any, or sep, separate from this, they'll support whatever I do. But there wasn't one person in my life that thought it was a good idea to start a, a sewing company and not begin practicing law. Um, and so I think that's, my message to everyone is just don't base your decisions on other people. You know, yeah. don't do what you think you're supposed to do. Do what you want to do. Um, and there's a chance it works out. Yeah. I mean, I know it's easy for easier, you know, for me because I had a backup plan. But, you know, I, that's my truth is that mm-hmm. I, I did what I wanted to do. And, um, you know, you'll have enough passion to do it. Uh, but also finding a support team. I have two partners. Um, we, they came to me and they were like, let's do this, but let's go, 
in thirds and I was going, you know, that was a big decision for me was, you know, I was the sole owner, yeah. um, but I didn't have a lot. You know, I, I was the sole owner of a not a big company or mm -hmm. I could accept the help and, and own a third of a large company. And that was mm -hmm. the, the best decision I ever made was to accept my two partners. And that's why we are where we are. Such a cool dude. We're even matching. I just noticed we kind of have the same colors on, dude. Uh, <laughs> yeah, this is great. The, I love this. Dude, I, I had to bring that to light before we stopped the show. Uh, Craig, we're st I, I would assume, and first of all, I mean, you, you bringing up the fact that you have to tr trust in your brand and your mission for your company uh, more than anybody else. That's very transparent. One, number two, I think a lot of people resonated with, resonated with it during uh, COVID-19's pandemic, uh, which... I mean, the world shut down, if you may. I think people were able to relate with you uh, very closely because they see that you, this is something that you started, you're so passionate about, not only your customers, but I'm sure a lot of the partners that you have uh, with your company as a whole. But as we remain digital, for example, and, and everything kind of is virtual still, what would you say? I mean, you said tomorrow's the, the start, the rest of your tomorrow's life. Tomorrow's the next day of the rest of your I life. I love that because... I mean, think about it though. What, what can small businesses be doing tomorrow to stay ahead of this pandemic curve, to, to optimize the virtual world that we're in? I mean, you guys have done it so well. You know, it's tough because we're fortunate to be in a place where we're not under the threat of not being able to, I mean, I, I don't know what to tell people right now because our, we're able to stay open. And I, I mean, all things aside, like I don't have an opinion. I'm not a part of, I don't make those decisions. I just yeah. know that fortunately, I mean, I guess that doesn't answer the question. Like the question I, I here, I remember being in the garage, but I mean, I am, that is true. I am fortunate. Totally. We no, are and, our yeah. factories in South Carolina and South really, yeah, and that would have sucked if you were told us that we couldn't make our pillows during this time, like we, it would have crushed us, you know? Yeah. So we are fortunate. Um, but I would say that I remember being in, I had like a workshop in my garage and I was listening to podcasts on how to sell my stuff online before I had a team. Mm. And I think we've had an amazing experience with Shopify. Um, I know there's plenty of great platforms out there, but just start. I mean, that's what I didn't do. So like I, I teased my company a lot. I, I teased it online. People were messaging me saying that, they had, you know, they would pay for my pillows. And I just, even, and not a lot of people know this, even when I was hand sewing my pillows, I ended up with a room full of hand sewn pillows that people were asking for. Mm. And I couldn't cross this barrier of, was it good enough to like actually send them out to the people? I mean, I, I initially, I finally got there, mm -hmm. but I just... I couldn't start and like sending out that first pillow is when it started to happen. I mean, I was in my own head and mm. I think, you know, all you can do is just go on Etsy or, or wherever and, and do it once and you get that payment and you're like, all right, I am good enough. And you yeah. get your first review and the people are like, this is amazing. And you're like, I don't know. I'd, I'd say that it's never too late. Um, and just start. I mean, those were the two things for me. Cause I was like, man, if I would have started when I was blah, 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 or started when I was blah, blah, blah. And mm. um, it's just, and it's fun. I mean, it's hard, but it's, it's fun. And um, yeah.
I think those are the, the two things. Dude, you're great. Craig, I got one more question for you. Uh, I'm a firm believer in this bigger picture idea of life that you should always leave this world better uh, when you found it, when you leave, then you found it when you leave. And uh, my deepest question for you, you know, is, is that if you had to leave one thing behind uh, when your time's up, right, eventually, what would that one thing be that you want to leave behind in this uh, beautiful world that we're so fortunate enough to be in? I just go with what popped in my head when you asked me that. Um, I, I have a huge, you know, what hurts my heart the most is, is homeless people, especially homeless veterans. Um, and so in my head, if I can get to the point where I figure out a sustainable way to build apartments for people, um, you know, I, I remember, you know, I've gone in and out of praying at night, which is unrelated, but I'm saying when I did pray, I would pray that everyone found a sense of comfort, mm. um, whether it's a warm meal or blanket or, you know, some sort of shelter at night. And it just pains my heart um, for homeless people. And I think for me, I, I've never understood legacy. I've never understood name, even cultures mm. that are based in that. I've just been like, you, you died. And I know you want to leave something more for your family. But for me, I think being able to help as many people as possible um, feel, you know, some sort of enjoyment out of this life is, I guess, my goal. Um, mm. I know it's kind of deep, but that's how it popped in my head. And it kind of, it's what drives me because in, in my head, as I'm saying that, I'm like, I've taken no steps to do that yet. And so maybe that'll be what I do tomorrow is talk to my team about, this is a new project that I want to work on. Let's see what happens. Man. Well, just know that the idea came to life on the men of the hour. <laughs> I will. I will. And I love being the man of the hour. This is an, I mean, this is great. And, um, you know, you're great. It's, it's, I like having these conversations and, um, where, you know, they're just honest and you, and, and they should be had more, you know, but yeah. cool. hopefully it inspires someone. Oh man, you'll inspire a ton of people. You do on the daily. The reason the show exists is because we can invite guys like you to the show. So I really, really, really thank you uh, for spending as much time as you did with us, man. Uh, Craig Conover, you're, you certainly coined the term man of the hour uh, in and of itself with all the three things that are going on uh, vastly in your life, which is the show and your business and the life you have, uh, but ultimately uh, with this bigger picture and in, in your hopes and spirits that you can instill you know, inspiration into other people too. And, and like you said, you would switch a smile from your face to someone else's knowing that the benefit is, is seeing someone else uh, be able to have that type of happiness and hope and exactly why we'd want to bring you on the show, man. And you opened up so candidly with us about everything. So I appreciate you for that. Uh, and, and just stay doing what you're doing because it's working. Uh, we see that it's working. We appreciate you for continuing to do as much as you do uh, in the world and then getting as deep as you did, man. I'm all about depth of conversation. So Craig Conover, thank you for being today's man of the hour. And we'll certainly stay in touch and look forward to seeing you in person in the new year, you know, whenever that happens. Thanks, man. And uh, maybe I'll be back one day. So I'll, I'll be your man of the day or hour. I don't know. All right. Take care, man. Justin Crawford here, and I'll be back next week with another great guest on the Men of the Hour podcast. In the meantime, be sure to subscribe, rate, and review right here and anywhere else you'd like to listen. Also, check out our Instagram and YouTube channels when you get a chance and see the full video interviews with our guests at Men of the Hour podcast. Thanks for listening. Now get out there and make a positive change for yourself and those around you.